Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. The fires of hell and God's judgments. Now, there are two topics where confusion reigns between religious denominations these days. But the question we should be asking, according to Dr. Jennings, is what does God say about them? What does the Bible reveal? Well, today we're going to find out. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Welcome, everyone. This is the next in a series of presentations that Dr. Jennings delivered to a large and very appreciative audience in Allen, Texas, back in early 2020. The series is called The Power of Love, and we, and those who were in attendance, have learned so much along the way about who God is and how God acts. Today we examine what's called the consuming fire of God, and we begin to learn about the first of God's judgments— Yes, judgments, plural. There are several, as we'll discover over the next two broadcasts. So sit back, open your mind and heart, and enjoy the presentation that Dr. Jennings offers. Here we go. In Leviticus 10, 1 through 5, Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu take unauthorized fire in before the Lord, and fire comes out from the Lord's presence and consumes them, and they die before the Lord. Moses summons their cousins and says to them, come here, carry your cousins outside the camp. And notice what scripture says, it's quite profound. This is evidence-based thinking. So they came and carried them, still in their tunics, outside the camp. Now, if I hit you with a flamethrower and burn you till you're dead, will you still be in your clothing when I'm done? What does that tell you about this fire? This is not the fire of combustion. This is the fire of truth and love that they, Nadab and Abihu, found themselves in the presence of unveiled truth and unveiled love, and their corruption of character was consumed by the purity of God's holiness. What happens to those who solidify themselves in lies and selfishness when they come into the unveiled presence of infinite love and infinite truth? See, I have patients who I work with who have been abused, and oftentimes in the process of working with them, they will come to the point, they say, I just wish my uncle would admit what he did. I wish my grandfather would admit what they did. I just wish they'd admit it. And I said, take that at face value. Let's just take that and process through what that would mean. If the person who molested you actually genuinely truly admits it, won't that mean they will have to go through a period of guilt? shame, self-loathing, self-disgust. Won't they have to go through that experience if they're truly honest about what they've done? And if they do that here today on earth, aren't they still under the umbrella of God's grace working to heal and save them? Isn't there still peace to be found in Jesus Christ for their heart? What will it be like for those who've permanently hardened themselves and they face unveiled love and truth So they have the full knowledge where their denial, their distortions, their externalizations, their blaming of others no longer works because they're in the rivers of love and truth and infinite love and truth. And they now have full awareness of their own evil character as well as the awareness of the pain and suffering they've caused others. 
there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you keep burning coals on his head. Origen of Alexandria wrote, a scripture indicates that every sinner kindles for himself the flame of his own fire and is not plunged into a fire which has been previously kindled by someone else or which existed before him. He understood that the torment of soul comes from unremedied sin in the sinner when they can no longer pile up lies and distortions to avoid the reality of their own corruption. Notice Lucifer's end in Ezekiel 28:18. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made fire come out from you, and it consumed you. The fires of love and truth. What about Revelation 14? How do we deal with that? A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image or receives the mark on his forehead or in his hand, he too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured out full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the lamb, and the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. Amen. So what about Revelation 14? Well, the word, Greek word, translated brimstone or sulfurous fire, depending on which version you get, is the Greek word theon, which is a form of the word theos. If you study theos, you are studying God. You're studying theology. You're a theologian. Theon actually is the fire of God's presence. And so more accurately than brimstone or sulfurous fire, it should be translated divine incense or holy fire. It's the fire that comes out from God when he sits on his throne and rivers of fire come out from before him. And the context makes that clear because even in the Revelation text, it says they'll be tormented with burning sulfur, theon, the fires of truth and love. Notice where it happens. In the presence of the holy angels and the lamb. That's where the fire happens because it's God's very presence. What about the smoke of their torment rising forever and ever? What about that? Smoke is what remains after something is burned. Thus, it is language of symbolism. It's symbolic of the memory of what happened to them. How unremedied sin causes such suffering and pain and torment and ultimate destruction. And that memory will never be forgotten. For all eternity, the righteous will remember. Forever and ever. Key learning points. Our God is a consuming fire. God's presence is the source of infinite love and truth, described as fire in Scripture. But it is not the fires of combustion. It is the fire that consumes lies and selfishness. The righteous live forever in this fire. The wicked are consumed by it. The judgment. Imagine that a lie has been told and you believe the lie that your spouse is having an affair even though they haven't been. Or imagine it the other way. That your spouse believes you've been having an affair. They believe the lie and you haven't been. You've been faithful, no, but your spouse now believes you've been having an affair and so they move out because they think you've been cheating, but you haven't been. You love your spouse. You want your spouse back. You want reconciliation. What will you have to do to get them back if they believe you've been cheating? Will you have to prove your innocence? Who's on trial? Who's being judged? 
You are. And you're the innocent one. Understand, Satan is a liar. He's lied about God. God's done nothing wrong, but God is being judged. And this is why Paul says in Romans 3 verse 4, this is in the New King James, it says, Let God be true and every man be a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. Did you know that you're judging God? Here's a good news Bible. God must be true, even though every human being is a liar. As the scripture says, you must be shown to be right when you speak and you must win your case when you are being tried. Do you remember Mount Carmel? Were the people making a judgment? If God is like Baal, worship him. If God is like Yahweh, worship him. The first judgment, Satan lied about God. Jesus has revealed the truth about God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. And we must judge is God like Satan says, or is God like Jesus revealed? The Mount Carmel experience. The Elijah message, if you want to use it that way. What is the last time Elijah message that prepares the world? It's a message calling people to choose. Is God like Satan says, or is God like Jesus revealed? Make a judgment. Decide. This judgment is ours. And this judgment of ours determines whether we will trust God and open our hearts to him or not. If you judge God to be like Satan reveals, and like Satan lies, and like Satan presents, if you judge that conclusion, yep, that's what God's like, you may believe in God, but you will not trust him. Because he is the source of arbitrary rules that he makes up, and he calls laws, and he polices those laws, and he has his guardian angels uh, stop at the door to whatever establishment you shouldn't go into, as recording angels go in to record every sin, so you will be sure to be punished properly for every sin you didn't confess and ask forgiveness for. And so you will create theologies that are designed to hide you and protect you from God. You will have a mediator stand between you and the Father and plead his blood to the Father so the Father won't kill you. Or you'll believe that you have claimed the blood of Jesus to be applied in a book in heaven so that when the Father goes to open that book, he won't be able to see any of your sins because they've been erased out of that book and he's not aware. Or you'll be covered by the robe of righteousness. When the Father looks at you, he can't see any sinfulness in you. He only sees the righteousness of a son what hides your wickedness. You see, all these theologies, so many more, they're designed to hide and protect you from God because you have this view of God that you really can't trust him. If he saw you, he'd hurt you. That's pagan. That's the imperial view. It's the opposite of what scripture teaches. David, again, prayed, search me and see the wicked way in me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew your right spirit within me. We are to go to our creator, acknowledging the defects within us knowing that he is the lover of our souls, knowing that he is the source of all good, knowing that he is the one who has the remedy, knowing that he longs to enter. I stand at the door and knock. If you simply open, I'll come in and I'll fix all the brokenness. That is what he wants, but we don't get there if we hold the wrong view. So we have to judge. Is God like Satan says, or is God like Jesus revealed? And in that judgment, God, I see you. You are like Jesus revealed, perfectly true, perfectly trustworthy. I open my heart. Come in. Revelation 14, 6 and 7. This is this first judgment. I saw another angel fly in midair. He had the eternal gospel, the eternal good news. Ask people, what is the eternal gospel? Jesus died to pay our sins. Well, wait a second. Eternal means eternity past as well as eternity future. There was a time before earth was even made. And was the gospel still true then? 
Yes, the eternal gospel. Think about it this way. Would you want to go to heaven and spend eternity with God if God were actually like Satan says? That's not good news to have eternal life with that kind of God. No, the eternal gospel is ultimately the eternal good news about God himself because he was the one lied about. Another angel flying with the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, people. He said in a loud voice, be in awe of God, fear God, give him glory, reveal him in your life for the hour of his judgment has come. It's the hour in human history for people to decide. It's the Elijah message, folks. It's the time for people to say, God is not this pagan, imperial, Roman dictator who is the source of pain and suffering and death. God is the creator who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and the waters. And he is the one who will restore us. Judge him to be your creator and your healer. Well, I hate to say it, but our time is up. But not to worry. We'll continue right from this spot on our next show. Be sure to tune in. Until then, I invite you to visit comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings and his ministry team have made many resources available to us all to aid us on our journey of discovery about who God is and how God acts. Lots of books and magazine articles and blogs, and there are also sharing tracks to share. There's a paraphrase, a beautiful paraphrase of many of the books of the Bible, all at comeandreason.com. And many of those things are absolutely free. Check it out. All right, now listen, I want you back here next time as we continue on the series The Power of Love by Dr. Jennings, presented in Allen, Texas in early 2020. Until then, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>